The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we are speaking from the Bioneers Conference in San Rafael, California. It's beautiful out here today. We have a special guest, Jason McLennan. He's CEO of Cascadia Green Building Council. He's author of many things, including the Living Building Challenge. And he's founder and CEO of Ecotone Publishing. He has so much to tell us today about so many hats that he wears. So, Jason, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Oh, it's wonderful. So, this morning, we had the opportunity to hear you speak to us and share a lot about your vision for the world. And, um, you know, I, I was curious when I learned about you that your background is in architecture. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Let's just go back to, you know, what got you interested to become an architect? How long is the show? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have all the time in the world. All the time in the world. <laughs> well, um, I knew I wanted to be an architect um, when I was in my second year of uh, high school. Oh, wow. And uh, I knew it had to be, I didn't know the name, but a green architect um, at that time as well. And um, I grew up in a, a northern Canadian mining town um, that had significant environmental devastation oh, due, to, wow. due to the mining industry. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a whole story that I could tell about how I became an environmentalist because of where I grew up. But to answer your question about architecture, mm-hmm. um, I, I had participated uh, through my childhood uh, as, as others other children did in my hometown and in, in doing a regreening and, and healing process in our community really? and um, at the time that I was entering I guess middle school um, my community went through a, kind of a, a bit of a boom and the mining towns do that and there was a lot of development that occurred around my where I lived uh-huh. and a lot of the places that I had helped restore planted trees and did a lot of things um, those same places were then bought and then all those trees we planted were cut down oh, no. <laughs> and and so it was and what was put up was um, you know like big box retail strip malls fast food joints and uh, I had a very you know strong gut reaction to mm. um, the fact that here, here we had done so much to heal our landscape mm-hmm. and then through development mm-hmm. through building things yeah. we had un- undid it again wow. so I, had de- I decided that I wanted to be part of um, and it seemed because it seemed so even to a young kid yeah. it seemed so yeah. blatant that they didn't have to cut down all those trees yeah. that even where they weren't building they still cut down trees wow. <laughs> 
and it uh, made me think that there had to be a smarter way to, yeah. to you know get the things we need in society without this kind of devastation. So was this important to your parents? I mean, you know, is that where some of these values started in you? I, mean, I know the community was doing kind of regreening, but you know, was this from your family of origin? Yeah, in some in some ways. I mean, I don't have any architects. Uh, or builders in my family. Uh-huh. Um, my father at the time was a college uh, professor at the local community college. My mother is a nurse. Uh-huh. Um, we have always been outdoor people. We'd yeah. spent a lot of time yeah. outdoors camping and hiking. and So there was kind of a natural... And, and I'm Canadian. Yeah. I grew up in a canoe. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and with... Uh, ice skates on in the winter and my sisters were vegetarians my older sisters um, which was very unusual in that community sure, at that time yeah, and yeah. Um, so I'd you know we weren't uh, typical but we weren't right. we weren't radical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just in the in the water I guess <laughs> so so tell us now fast forward um, you now have a company called the Cascadia Green Building Council. Did you found that company? No, no, and actually it's an NGO. It's a nonprofit, Um, and I I didn't found it. It was actually founded 10 years ago um, by a group of um, concerned and and, um, talented um, building professionals, really, Mm -hmm. um, as part of an overall national movement to create green building councils like the U.S. Green Building Council. Um, and uh, so I, I actually joined Cascadia three years ago, three, a little, little over three years ago. And um, we are actually a, a dual citizen organization. So it's actually we cross borders and we're in Canada as well as the U.S. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, so you got into architecture. You wanted to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Did you travel the typical path, becoming an architect, joining a firm, <laughs> you know? I mean, I hear this from professionals, it doesn't matter whether it's architecture or law, you know, I hear that they get into the system and then they say, this isn't what I thought it would be. Yeah, I, in, yes and no. I, nothing that I've done has ever been very traditional. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I have, I've, I've worked in, in firms and in fact, um, for 10 years I worked in Kansas City in oh. the Midwest, mm-hmm. um, working with one of the pioneers of the green building movement, Bob Berkebile. Yeah. And I started out as Bob Berkebile's kind of right-hand man and okay. ended up becoming his partner after oh. eight years. Um, so I've done the whole, you know, corporate architecture yeah. scene yeah. And, yeah. Um, and learned a lot about how buildings are built and how our communities are developed. And that's, that's serving me well now because I can speak with, with some experience of how things are done right. and how they can be done. Right. So you moved further into the green building field. Um, <laughs> I, I, I never uh, was not in it. Right. I specialized in it in college and it's all that I've ever, I've never worked on a non-green project oh. because I don't believe that an ounce of my time should ever have been spent on anything. That's that was. quite a vision. <laughs> that, that's quite a vision for a young yeah. person. You know, when you well, think about it. There's, there's, yeah, but there's more and more people that get that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. So, from your experience um, initially, you know, and that was years ago, um, did you get much um, resistance in the form of people saying, you know, 
nice for you, Jason. But let's get back to reality because that's not <laughs> happening. Did you get that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. Especially because I practiced um, in the Midwest. And we did projects all over the U.S. So we would do projects in Birmingham, Alabama, and Houston, Texas, right. and right, right, Atlanta, right. Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. Um, and some communities are more conservative than others, and some... You know, it's definitely easier in Seattle and Portland and in San Francisco to find sort of a collective group of people that are interested in these issues. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes harder in other communities, but that's changing. And now if you go go to those same communities that I mentioned, there's a great community of green folks in Houston and in Birmingham Mm -hmm. where 10 years ago you definitely were looked at as kind of crazy. Right, right, right. And they told you you were... You were a tree hugger. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. No, but to, them them it, it to them it was. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so let's, you know, get clear about just what a green building is. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, different perspectives, uh, and it runs the gamut. You know, what's your interpretation of what a green building is? Well, um, yeah, there's a definition that I like to use, um, and it, uh, it's in, in my book, The Philosophy of Sustainable Design. Yeah. And in that, I talk about uh, green design or sustainable design as being a philosophical approach to how we design anything. So whether it's a chair or uh, a kitchen or a whole building or a community, Mm -hmm. it's an approach that one takes to the design process, and that approach is trying to do a couple things. One is we're trying to minimize or eliminate environmental impact while we're trying to maximize the quality and the health of the design, whatever the design is. Mm-hmm. So one is about reducing and hopefully becoming net positive, and the other is trying to maximize and create a place of you know beauty. Mm. So that that's my definition. Talk about beauty. You know, you mentioned it. Not sure it's the crow's <laughs> definition. <laughs> well, the crow wants its voice to be heard too. They like that. Yeah, they're very uh, um, assertive. Yeah. Yes, they're assertive. I like I like crows. Yes. Um, well, they have a message for us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is your totem coming by to Actually, say hi? Actually, yeah, the raven is, yep. <laughs> is my totem. Yep, there you and, go. And uh, I was in an interview about a half hour ago, and I think it was the same bird as over there. <laughs> and it was screeching. It's saying, Jason, yell louder. <laughs> <laughs> Take your message to the streets. More, more. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the the green building. You, you said it's important that beauty is a part of this. Mm, very um, important. And you know, I, I think that for a long time, the whole image of green um, was kind of synonymous with well, functional and ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Um, Functional and beauty didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying that, no, that there's got to be this other piece. So mm-hmm. what is beauty to you? What is, why does it matter? Well, I think there is sort of a historical image that people have in mind of kind of clunky solar panels and right. funky architecture. Um, that certainly doesn't have to be the image and I don't think is the image. Um, and, we, you know, we could talk, talk about that. But I... I believe that for any movement, and this is a movement, to be successful, Mm. 
um, it has to appeal to people emotionally as well as intellectually. It has to captivate them and inspire them and excite them to um, to really reach their fullest potential. Mm-hmm. And there actually is a very significant performance, scientific performance dimension to beauty in architecture that is often not discussed because um, I'd say left brain folks have a hard time getting their arms around it. But it is definitely true that buildings that we don't care about receive less maintenance. Really? They receive less care. And when you have something that is not properly maintained, it always uses more energy and resources. Mm -hmm. And while there are certainly way too many examples of beautiful historical buildings that have been torn down, the number of ugly buildings that have been torn down Mm -hmm. prematurely is much greater. And we um, are quick to throw away something that is, doesn't have a lot of care and beauty right. manifest in it. Right. And so we believe that those impacts actually can be really significant. And again, while there's no guarantees project to project, um, the likelihood of, of a beautiful, well-designed building enduring through you know, decades and hopefully centuries is much greater. And that it will be maintained mm-hmm. and upgraded appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and so... That's why we make sure that people are um, always um, thinking about that. And not, not to mention there's, there's all the other side of um, attracting new converts to get more people interested. If right. they see something, like you right. said, that, that they know is good for them, but it's sort of like drinking a, you know, a really bad-tasting you know, drink, they're not going to want to drink the Kool-Aid. Right, right, <laughs> right. right, right, right. So. Well, we have more to talk about with Jason McLennan when we come right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Are you sick of your career? Looking to escape the confines of a job, your boss, a long commute, no future, and low pay? What if there was a show that could help you start your own business? It's time to become your own entrepreneur. Tune in to Entrepreneur Live with Ray and John, featuring entrepreneurs Ray Burden and John Bronson. It's an atmosphere of total encouragement, secrets, and direction. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back. We're here with Jason McLennan today. CEO of Cascadia Green Building Council and author of The Living Building Challenge. So let's talk about this Living Building Challenge. What is it? Where did it come from? Well, um, the Living Building Challenge is a, is a building performance rating system. It provides um, a visionary guidepost, if you will, for um, projects to strive for. It's basically trying to define the highest level of environmental performance currently possible mm. in today's environment for uh, a building. Well, don't uh, we already have that? Isn't that what LEED is? No, actually, that, and that's kind of the point, is that um, LEED is a very powerful tool for market transformation. Um, and I, some of my fellow Canadians are <laughs> on the background. <laughs> uh, they, they applaud you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're trying to send me some message that I haven't figured out yet. Um, at any rate, uh, LEED has been a, an incredibly powerful market transformation tool. Uh, and what it's really trying to do is pull the mass of buildings up from the bottom. And we're tugging from the top. And they're, they're, they actually work very differently. Um, LEED Platinum is nowhere near to being the highest level environmental performance possible. Oh. It, was always, it was always meant to be um, a very pragmatic and, and a very good level of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when it was defined, um, people at that time couldn't envision living buildings yet in that way, that they didn't th- think it was possible. So platinum was kind of arbitrarily pegged at a certain level. Oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> and so we now know that we have to move further if, yeah. by looking at the climate change science in particular, and we know how to move further. And so living building challenge is basically, in my, my opinion, the, the level above platinum that has been missing. Hmm. So... You came up with this idea? You collaborated with somebody on this? Where did it come from? Yeah, I I was the original author of the Living Building Mm -hmm. Challenge. The idea of a living building is one that um, myself and uh, Bob Birkbile, who I mentioned earlier, um, we jointly developed this conceptual idea back in the mid-90s, before LEED actually existed, uh, in order to try to to frame um, where we needed to head. at that time, it was mostly just a metaphor. It was uh, mostly just a way of talking about where we needed to head. Um, <clears throat> and I knew that, that stories uh, needed to be paired up with, with protocols, yeah, with programs. Yeah, yeah. So I then, uh, in 2005, um, began turning this, this metaphor, this idea that, that Bob and I had been mm-hmm. developing and, and, and others in our firm, um, and, and basically wrote down, codified this, mm-hmm. this standard. Mm-hmm. And when I left BNIM, 
uh, and went to work for Cascadia, which you know moved from the private sector to the nonprofit sector. I brought this uh, this protocol with me, and I gave it I gave it to Cascadia to launch, um, and and we did. So, yeah. And that was very well accepted by Cascadia by the oh, building yeah. community. Well, Cascadia embraced it with open arms. We have a very visionary organization, great leaders throughout the Pacific Northwest, and they saw in the Living Building Challenge, the potential to really excite the movement. Mm. And that's really what it's done. And so we launched it at Green Build in 2006 in Denver. And, you know, we had this standing ovation, you know, and and, and it was really fulfilling um, to see that there were many in the community that were um, ready to take this leap, the leaders. Yeah. Leaders. And, um, And people began signing up, so to speak. You said this morning in the plenary um, that the building industry in general doesn't like change. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, what is, is it? Is it because of the um, <clears throat> resources they're used to accessing, or what? Why is it? Well, buildings are among the more complicated things that we make. Um, it's easier to take risks with a chair than it is with uh, a building. There's sure. a lot more liability. Sure. There's a lot more things that can go wrong. Um, people die when buildings are not. Um, I think so because of some of those reasons. Um, there is a there is a very relevant sense of caution <clears throat> embedded in the building industry that says, you know, let's not change too quick yeah. because it can be it can be scary. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's that's a problem. <laughs> right. When and if you look at changes in aviation or telecommunications, and then you look back at the building industry, it's like, huh. I think they're they're not moving fast enough, <laughs> and many, you know we're still building houses very much like we've been building houses right. for quite a long right. time, with a few you know exceptions, or we yeah. might swap out. We have double pane windows instead right. of single pane, or right. Right. Um, but it's we're still framing buildings very similar right. uh, to how we used to, and right. um, and there's a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the um, the first real noticing of buildings and the toxic um, elements of buildings that became very apparent happened when 9-11 happened, when the Twin Towers went down. <laughs> and there was suddenly people were became so aware that the materials used were toxic, that people were getting sick. Um, because of what happened, because of the um, elements and the dust and all of that. Um, you know, do you have thoughts about that? Well, I mean, it certainly was um, very, uh, very powerful to, you know, to see the reaction, all the reactions that occurred after that event. Sure, yeah. um, I will, I will say that. I mean, the the topic of the, sort of how healthy a building is has been around for longer than that, of course. Right, um, right. And the sick building syndrome that you've heard about, right. of course, really started emerging in the late 70s, early 80s. As we started to make our buildings more energy efficient, mm-hmm. we started um, trapping inside those efficient envelopes all the, all, the, all the nasty chemicals that were off-gassing off of everything right. inside. And so that was kind of the first um, awakening. But I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think the idea that that was just such a shocking... Yeah. Issue. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. but uh, obviously there were more shocking aspects to that incident than, than that. But um, yeah, 
it's it's finally on people's radar screens, right. but right. still not enough. Not enough, yeah. So, talk to me about um, the challenge that you face today in attempting to inspire this change. Well, the challenge is really one of urgency, which it's it's difficult to get people to really, you know, take big steps. Yeah. yeah. Um, even people that get it, you know, they go home and they have a life to live. It's kind of the artist, you know. They want to do art, but they want to make money so they can live, right? So they can put <laughs> well, food yeah. on the table. You still have, yeah, and there's yeah. a great quote by Elizabeth May, who was a former Sierra Club leader, that it's hard to have energy for outrage when there's bills to pay ah, and yeah, children yeah. to raise. Yeah. And um, I think that that's true. And it's hard, it's hard to take action towards, as, as, as Kunstler would say, the long emergency. Mm. When people are surrounded, people, when people don't have the personal skills sometimes to manage the short emergency. Right. <laughs> that their right, boss right. has made them upset, or their right. spouse has made them angry, or their right. kid has failed their right, tests, right. or whatever the case may right. be. It's hard to then say, you know what, I really need to focus mm. on climate change. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard mm-hmm. for people to really sustain. Right. We're not wired to sustain things that right, way. Right. So that's, that's a challenge for our species. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and the other thing is, you know, I mean, the customer of the architect and the builder, whether it's an individual for a residence or a corporation or a real estate development group, the, um, the customer is really driving this and so it sounds like a little bit it's up to the architect and the designer and the builder to help educate the customer to perhaps influence the outcome right it can be that way actually i've seen all sort of versions of it i've seen the owner demanding it i've seen the engineer demanding it i've Mm. seen the architect there's usually somebody who's resisting (laughs) somewhere in that team Uh, but the players change I, i think in general, the architecture community has, in general, led yeah. uh, in yeah. terms of being aware of these issues and yeah. trying to reach out and change. And the architectural, uh, you know, architects have probably been more of the early adopters. Uh, it's taken a, a little bit longer to get most builders on the page hmm. and and most owners. But but there's always exceptions. There's some some builders that have have had to drag their architects towards oh, this. So yeah. really, uh, it depends on the. Yeah. On the situation, yeah. but, but when you can get a whole team, and and that's the thing is to get to the level of a living building, it requires commitments from everyone to do things differently. If there's, if there's a weak link in the chain, it's felt. Right, just and like an ecosystem. Like an ecosystem. Yeah, just like nature, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, it's constant so, work. So, so, talk to us about nature. You know, share with us your vision of how nature leads this whole issue. Well, I think that nature provides us with all the information we need to um, transform the way we build. Um, But it speaks softly to us. Yeah. It doesn't fill out a big billboard and say, this way. Um, we're kind of irrelevant <laughs> at the same time that yeah. we're very relevant, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're just one species, but we sure act right. like this is our, mm. 
our, it's all for our sh- it's our all show, about us. right? Yeah. Um, but if we're listening, and we want to know how to do things differently, it, in almost any field, if you want to, if you if if what you do is you make paint, nature can show you how to make paint in a way that is profoundly different. How so? Well, nature uh, doesn't use toxic chemicals to color things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and oftentimes, nature bends light to create color. Uh, butterflies uh, are actually tricking us, and it's the way light bounces off of them that creates their amazing colors. Really? And so they're not using pigments. Right. And, and right. certainly some animals use pigments, right. Um, right. but they're using pigments in a very different way. Um, and so scientists are actually studying, biologists and, and, and some, some companies are actually trying to figure out, well, how could we make a different kind of paint? Hmm. Instead of trying to minimize the amount of chemicals which there's sort of a, you know, it's a, dead, it's, a, it's a dead end game on that sense. They're trying to say, no, we need to think of a whole different oh, construct okay. Okay. and learn for how nature does that. Okay. And you could pretty much take any discipline, and nature has figured out a better way to do it mm-hmm. if we're only, you know, smart enough right. <laughs> right, right, right. to have the patience to right, look. Right, right. Well, and plant-based dyes have been around for a Yeah, sure. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we have much more to talk about with Jason McLennan. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting. Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Every company will rise or fall based on marketing strategy. In today's business world, companies are realizing a significantly reduced marketing budget. Some may find themselves starving for new business. With the Internet continuing to grow by leaps and bounds, companies may find that the opportunity proves to be overwhelming. Tune into the Business Net Marketing Hour with Greg Gaskell and Jason Kepi for a straight-up guide to navigating the world of online marketing. Tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we're speaking with Jason McLennan. Jason, in the last segment, we were talking a bit about some of the elements of nature and how that informs the whole strategy around the living building and you know how we move forward in this whole arena. Um, you started a company called Ecotone Publishing. Yes. Is that related to the whole issue of... Of inks and all. is that where <laughs> that came from? No, no. It, um, it it just really started with a desire to try to contribute to getting out the best resources in a timely fashion to the green building community mm-hmm. specifically. Um, I think that we're still the only f- dedicated green building publisher. That really? that's all that we. That's do. all you. And we're pretty small. Topic. We just do a couple titles mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. But what we try to do is really look at what what information is missing that that needs to be out there right. and that's what we try to focus right, on because right. we're not very big okay. um, and you know create create a new uh, opportunity mm-hmm. which is you know what ecotones do right and is this organization dedicated to completely environmental sustainable mm-hmm. policies yes of course we um, use all the best inks the best paper um, we offset our carbon footprint mm-hmm. um, um, we, you know, we're pretty much a virtual company in terms of um, our the people that run Ecotone are work out of their homes yeah, in different places yeah. and and don't really have a, a commuting footprint. Right, right, that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, we do all those things. And what about the argument that you hear so much in the publishing industry about it's just too expensive to operate this way? What do you to find? run publishing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not doing this because we're <laughs> trying to make... <laughs> I'd like to say, you know, we're a non-profit that's a for-profit. <laughs> um, we're just satisfied that the information is getting out. Yeah. And um, it's it's subsidized by other things that sure. I do. <laughs> right, right, right. So you have a real job, so you can do the yeah, other stuff. Yeah, and I don't run the day-to-day of Ecotone, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. someone else does. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's interesting. So um, I want to go back to the living building challenge. Um, I have read that um, Omega Institute, um, the Omega, has built their Omega Center for Sustainability mm-hmm. and partnered as one of the early adopters yep. of the they living will. building That's challenge. Right. Um, so how is that going? Well, um, they have completed their project. Um, they are in what we call their 12-month operational phase. So all of the all of the projects that um, want to get certified through our protocol, they have to uh, not only finish the project, they have to live in it for a minimum of 12 months. And that's, Why is that? Well, most green buildings, most buildings of any any kind, um, ne- they they typically don't operate as designed, and usually they're not as efficient as as they were promised mm. to be because people get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, people get in the way. The building well, would be fine without people. Is that yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but basically things are not always built as they were specified, oh. um, which is why we have something called commissioning where people make sure that fans were installed correctly, that pumps okay. are working perfectly. Okay. So there's usually, um, when, you, when you 
you know, have your building turned on when you're ready to move in, it's yeah. usually not operating right. Something, something's wrong with it right, in every right, building. Sure. So you have, a, you have a period where you have to fine-tune. A lot of buildings never get fine-tuned, and they always just run inefficiently. Oh. Um, but more and more there's commissioning, which is a process to try to correct that. And sometimes it takes time, and sometimes you don't know how to properly tune it until you go through the heating okay. season and the cooling okay. season, right, for example. Right. And then there's just the notion that um, people use the building uh-huh. differently than predicted. So, and since with the Living Building Challenge, we're trying to determine whether a project really does meet our level mm-hmm. of performance. Mm-hmm. It can't be based on a promise mm-hmm. or a model or right. prediction. It has right. to be based on actual reality. Mm-hmm. So, um, Omega and the others that are as far along are um, going through their, their time period where they're testing and running their, operating their facility, and when they're ready, they're going to call us. Oh, all right. <laughs> and then we're going to come out and... And, and check it see out. See just how good they are. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so there's no guarantee. No guarantees. Once they enter into this. Okay. No, they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and well, that's a really good point too. Doing it for the right reasons, and I've wondered that about lead and about how it seems very quickly many buildings were suddenly given this lead um, designation. Cate- designation. Thank you. And um, I, it made me wonder, you know, well, that, that's interesting, how they got that so fast, how they changed, because these aren't all new buildings, these are all brand new buildings that are being given this designation. Yeah, there's, there's lead for existing buildings, and right. there's lead for new construction and other things. And, right. Um, and there's levels of lead, that's important, of course, to understand, is that there's multiple levels of performance, so you have lead certified, which... Um, is better than a typical building, okay. but not by a whole lot. Okay. Uh, and then you have silver, and you have gold, and you have platinum. So by the time you get to platinum, you should have a building that's much better right. than a conventional right, building. Right. But as we said, um, it depends on how it's operated, and it depends on whether it was properly commissioned and looked after. Yeah. Okay. And LEED uh, provides certification not after a year. They don't. Act, it's based on predicted performance. Mm. That's changing a little. Mm-hmm. The USGBC is, is working on that issue because mm-hmm. there have been some buildings that are not performing as good mm-hmm. as intended. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, the lead buildings are, are much better buildings than their conventional counterpart. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, as you were talking about nature, um, when I think about a, a, an ecosystem in nature, if something stops working or something steps into that whole process, the whole system shifts in order to accommodate, <laughs> yeah. right? That's, that happens in nature. How does that happen in a building? How can you actually have that exist in a building? Well, give me a, an example of what you mean. Um, well, so, um, you know, in nature, with an ecosystem, you've got you know, lakes and trees and, you know, mountains and... Mm-hmm. And so an earthquake happens, mm-hmm. and the mountain moves and moves mm-hmm. down, and suddenly the lake, you know, becomes different size, right. and, and maybe it creates some level of a river or you know something water moving fast, and 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 so the things around it change, the right. plant life changes, right. And, right, and the animals change their right. behavior, and you know, so but a building seems static. Well, a building is, is not literally alive, of course, so it's more like the mountainside rather than the things growing on it. Okay. Um, 
and really, I mean, we need to change as conditions change and how we interact with our habitat, which is our buildings. Yeah. Um, buildings can be made to mimic some lifelike processes. They can be made to breathe. They can be made to open and close, let in light, shut out heat, um, all those different things. Um, but it's it's uh, something that we have to make them do right. <laughs> through technology right, right, right. or through our own physical right, interventions right, right. because they're not literally alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know what you're referring to is nature always exploits any niche, any new opportunity yeah, right, that's there, right. and we need to we need to get better at figuring out how we can do that with our 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 habitats that our we're habitats, making. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even that you refer to our buildings as habitats. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different way of thinking. <laughs> it's a different way of seeing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that, um, I mean, not to mention that the whole idea of a living building is revolutionary for mm-hmm. most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and people see corporate structures, um, you know, office buildings, whether they're tall or short or et cetera, as um, not habitat, but places they go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> places they go that house offices or house businesses, but not a place where I live into, Mm -hmm. even if it was just eight hours a day, you know, not a place I live into. What kind of, um, what what do we need to change in our thinking? I mean, we can just say to them, change your thinking, but does that work? Yeah, I think you've hit upon a very important issue, and it has to do with the mental models, the constructs that we place ourselves in and we have this viewpoint of our buildings and our cities as machines and that's not by accident Mm -hmm. that's through 200 years of storytelling about what the future was going to be like and it's really interesting to look at science fiction and look at things like Blade Runner and Star Wars and and Battlestar Galactica and look at all their visions of the future and they're always more and more machine like and nature is squeezed out and this is this is deeply in our you know psyche about where we're headed right we don't view and you know until we change those stories until all until science fiction until fiction until uh you know people began talking in this way we're you know we're not going to end up in a in an ecological society that is healthy (laughs) we're going to actually end up where we're headed well so Oh, I have, that brings up so many questions for me. Um, but I'm going to resist, and we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? 
What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. Wake up with a unique daily show. Listen for Mitchell John in the morning. Mitchell will bring you news, sports, and stock news from yesterday. You'll hear interviews from high-profile figures from the world of sports, entertainment, politics, and authors. Mitchell will talk to people throughout America. This is a show that throws right down the center. It's fun, information, and yes, even a little bit of music. Catch Mitchell John in the morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Voice America, and Thursdays on the Voice America Business Network. Pull into the Phillips Station every week for the business of entertainment. Host Philip Judah and co-host Larry Watkins bring promotional experience from different facets of the entertainment industry and related marketing. You'll meet some of the most interesting individuals involved with creation and continuity in the industry, including music, theater, auto racing, movies, and journalism. The Phillips Station will provide entertainment about entertainment. Listen Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Buy or rent, sell or keep, move up or stay put. So many questions face today's homeowner or prospective homeowner in today's unstable economic market. Learn about the trends in order to make an informed decision. Join host John Schleimer for Housing in America, a program that aims to take the guesswork out of the housing market and answer some of the questions that have been nagging away at you. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network and stay informed. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're back speaking with Jason McLennan today. So, Jason, before we went to break, we were talking about the ecosystem and you know, <laughs> how that relates to the building. And... You left off t- telling us about how we need to shift the thinking construct and you know how we have moved into this whole concept of um, well, you tell us science fiction. You said it, <laughs> you, you said something about how you know it really is without nature. Most of our images of science fiction are without nature. Or where the future is, right. where the you know people when they ask. You know what's you know what, what are future cities going to be like? Usually, in the popular media and most people's, they're thinking about these giant skyscrapers and cars that are flying around yeah, yeah. and and these you know that kind. And I don't I, I frankly think that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That 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 future um, will see our would see our demise pretty quickly. And uh, we and you know requires fossil fuels that we will no, no longer have. Oh. I think people, if they think it through, and, and of course this is just my opinion, but I think that people are going to actually be walking way more in the future than really? they are going to be riding in all these really? amazing vehicles. I think there's going to be amazing vehicles, oh. um, but it's not going to be 
the kind of construct that we're thinking. I think yeah. that people are going to be growing more food in their communities, that there's going to be a local economy again, that in many ways we're, where we're headed is not this Jetsons future. Right. Where we're headed is a much more grounded, um, local, sustainable, regional kind of economy and, and, and cities that are much more about people and about mm. about life mm. because if we don't I mean don't, there's it's not gonna it's not gonna work we we can't sustain the kind of paradigm that we're heading towards right now so is it because of this crisis that we will be able to save ourselves is, <laughs> did, it, did we have to let it get this bad in order to make a change yeah that's a tough question I mean did we have to con- you know conceptually no but we seem to be uh, very good at being stubborn mm. and and it takes a crisis yeah. to shake us out of our groove yeah, yeah. and what we're learning is that our um, our new cultural paradigms are very resilient in that it's going to take a lot of negative inputs to uh, to really wake us up yeah. you know we think about the devastation of Katrina yeah. and it, it shook us up but it's pretty much back to business as usual. Right. And we had September 11th, and we're pretty much back to business as usual. Right. Right. And there's a question of what is it going to take? At what level? Yeah. You know, is it going to? What price does? What price per gallon does gas have mm-hmm. to get? Because mm-hmm. we learned that three or four dollars a gallon makes people anxious. Yeah. Might curb use a little. Right. But. It doesn't really change everything, but if it's twenty dollars a gallon, thirty dollars right, a gallon, right. um, it starts to make our whole system impossible. Right. You can't bring food from anywhere and right. goods everywhere, and you can't live two hours from where you work and afford to live there. So everything, the whole paradigm, has to shift. And the same with with other issues. If, mm-hmm. if you have water shortages or you know, think you know, so. I think that if you think about where we're headed with some of these issues, with peak oil, peak water, we can't actually move towards this future that we've all had in our heads right. for the last 100, right. to, you know, 50 years, 100 years, about what the future is going to look like. It's not going to look like that. So we have the opportunity <laughs> to invent it. We have an opportunity right to invent it right now yeah. and to create the kind of communities that could truly sustain us for generations. And, well, yeah, and the word community... Is so community. important here. You know, totally. Because community is about connection. It requires you and me to be able to look at each other, touch each other, mm-hmm. um, make choices together, right? Yep, it's not uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those who are maybe a little younger, don't really know what Blade Runner is, tell them. <laughs> uh, great science fiction movie um, about a very bleak future. Yeah. And uh, but an interesting movie that people should see. People um, should see but no it's matter not, what the age. Yeah, yep. but they you don't want to live there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that'll that'll kind of inspire people to make a different, make a change. Um, so, you know, this whole emotional piece. I heard you this morning talk about how um, you have to touch people in their in their heart. Yep. And, you know, it's kind of winning the hearts and minds yep. of, of those who Both. are involved. Yeah, right. So you can't just have people excited about it. They have to feel like there's some actual um, t- 
tangible yep. work they can do yep. toward this. That's right. Yeah. It's got to be realistic. Yeah. But realistic not in the way that a lot of people use the word realistic. A lot of people use that word as a crutch to say, well, it's not how we do it now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So therefore, it's not realistic. Oh, I see. There's too many things that would have to change. Yeah, right. But if we change them, it would, it would work, right? right? Well, yeah, it would. Yeah. So it's realistic. Oh, I it see. can work. Yeah. We have proof. And so that's the kind of thing we need to change. Is getting people to change their perception, but it has to it has to work. It can't it can't be uh, fantasy. Do you think there's a tipping point coming? Yeah. What's it going to (laughs) take? I think it is going to take some really hard times. I'm I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, I think it will. Yeah. But uh, there is a growing group of people, you know, like here at Bioneers and other places yeah. that are not waiting for that yeah. tipping point to, to be the change yeah. today, as, yeah. as Gandhi said. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you build enough models to show people how you can do things differently, and it turns on even more. Mm. So that's what we're hoping we can do with the Living Building Challenge. Well, you live in a world of hope, Jason. <laughs> you inspire others to have hope and to believe that this is possible, and that's what it takes. Leaders who believe it's possible, who um, don't take no for an answer, who inspire people to move beyond what they think can happen, and, and that's what you do, and we're Thank grateful you. to have you here today. Thanks. So um, I know this will inspire people to want to learn more about you and your work and, and how they can be involved, so how can they contact you? A um, couple different websites are a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, Cascadia is one, www.cascadiagbc.org. GBC.org. Cascadiagbc.org. And then the International Living Building Institute, okay. www.ilbi.org. Okay. And you can find out a lot more there, too. Oh, cool. Great. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here today. We are privileged to have you here. And Thank continue you. to enjoy this wonderful conference here in San yeah. Rafael, this gorgeous park. By the way, audience, you know, we're sitting out here in this unbelievable office. <laughs> this office called um, the Bioneers Conference Site with trees and birds. And you probably heard the crows and, uh, you know, a few dogs going by and uh, lots of people having a good afternoon. So this is, I like this office. This yeah, is nice. It works for me. It's good. All right. Thank so remember, you. everyone, think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A. C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.